All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Why are the playoffs better at Boston Pizza? Because we've optimized our sports bar experience by studying in-depth analytics. Starting with our new BP Wing Ribs, currently leading all apps in wings above replacement, and deep-fried pickle wedges, an early favorite for the unanimous number one overall pickle. And, of course, the advanced stats darling and leader in pints per game, the new Beer Mosa. Catch the playoffs at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody, and welcome into a Thursday, April 20th edition of Daily Faceoff Live, presented by Botano. The game starts now at botano.ca, 19+. Plus. Please play responsibly. And happy 420 day to all who partake. Uh, pleased to welcome into the show Colby Cohen, former NHL player, current Chicago Blackhawks analyst. Colby, how you doing? It's good to be back. I missed you guys the last couple of weeks, but right in time for playoffs. Yeah, you've been busy uh, welcoming a new <laughs> kid at home. Uh, so congratulations to you and your family on the birth of Sloan. And you're in now for the best time of year, the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's also the best time of year to second guess. So let's start and throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock with the Minnesota Wild and their decision to turn to goaltender Mark andre Fleury for game two after Philip Gustafson was light out, delivering a game one victory in overtime, stopping 40-plus consecutive shots at one point for a guy that's been unbelievable for the entirety of this season to turn to Fleury for game two. What would you make of the decision? I was kind of cringing as soon as I saw it, knowing that if they lost, 
that they would be criticized, let alone giving up seven. Well, I think, Frank, it actually, to me, made a little bit of sense. And I know that's probably different than what a lot of people are talking about. But when you've got Marc-Andre Fleury, you're going into the second game on the road. It's a game you're probably not going to win. Uh, you've got a veteran who might be able to come in there and stand on his head and steal a game. And and look, the game goes a couple of overtimes uh, in game one. Gustafson is not an experienced playoff goaltender. So I actually thought... Uh, the decision from Dean Evason was kind of to shield and protect Gustafson uh, from that type of outcome. Because at the end of the day, the Stars can score goals. They're going to get on the power play. Uh, they've got guys that can hurt you in Robertson and Sagan and so on and so forth. So I actually didn't mind the move because at the end of the day, most likely you're not winning that game on the road. You're not going up 2 nothing against Dallas. So if anything, I thought they spared Gustafson the opportunity to come in there uh, and face a little bit too much fire. Well, you knew they'd also be fired up not playing without Joe Pavelski either. My flip side and counter argument to that would be well, what if Gustafson plays and he's lights out again and you're able to take that 2 nothing advantage home? That'd be pretty unbelievable. But I'm with you in the sense that I think this idea, Colby, of playing one goalie for the entire two-month run is foolish. If you would say at any point in the year that one guy is going to play all two months consecutively, let alone when you get to the playoffs, the games are more stressful, they're more strenuous. You mentioned the double OT and all the different things that go into it. I think playing in a tandem in the playoffs is the way of the future. There's exceptions to every rule. Andre Vasilevsky playing every single second of three consecutive Stanley Cup final runs for the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's not going to happen all that often, whether it's injury or anything else. I think you need to rotate. My question is, did it need to be right off the hop? I think someone's going to do it. The Wilds step out on the ledge, and they kind of end up paying the price in game one, in game two. Yeah, no, Frank, I think those are all pretty, pretty valuable and reasonable things to say. But I, I just go back to the fact that it's a new goaltender. There is a mental fatigue that comes with playing in the playoffs. There's just so much more intensity on the line. So I think letting Gustafson watch that game does nothing but good things for this team long term. Yeah, and the Minnesota Wild already accomplished what they needed to, getting that split, heading back to the Twin Cities. Let's talk about the Carolina Hurricanes, who took a 2-0 edge over the New York Islanders. A little bit of controversy uh, in overtime, of course, a, an apparent missed call, but some nice work by Mike Rupp on the NHL Network, who pointed out, as you take a peek at the video here, that perhaps this wasn't a missed call. Yeah, look, I think Mike Rupp does a nice job of, of digging in on things. I, I think he's one of the better analysts that we have, uh, especially on the NHL network. And, and you watch Mayfield um, stick as Martinook is turning. You know, he kind of forces his stick up in the air. And as this zooms in, that little pop that Mayfield has with his hands, he gives him sort of a quick stick check. Okay, towards the top of Martinook's hand, which would be kind of the stronger area of where you're holding your stick. Um, and, and in my opinion, this is what forces Martinook's stick up into the face. So, you know, look, you could make the argument, Frank, that Martinook needs to know where his stick is, but 
I would tell you from, you know, being in situations like that in my career, when you're turning like that and you're bringing your stick sort of parallel to the ice, maybe around your waist, when a guy gives you that quick little shot, your, your stick's going to go up. You can see right here even, um, you know, the, the, the linesman is blocking the official, but Martin Hook's stick is turned over. If this is this in, in his hand, I mean, it, it would have been nearly impossible for him to control his stick the way Mayfield popped his stick up. So, yes, at first glance, Islanders fans were pissed. I think people on Twitter were exploding. But I think the officials actually got this call right. I really, truly do. So give Mike Rupp credit for kind of going out on a limb and doing this video but I wholeheartedly agree with it. Yeah, I after watching it, I agree with the assessment and your point as well that it would have been almost impossible to control. But now consider the overall series perspective. The Canes do a nice job of coming back against the Islanders. They got a really timely goal from Jacob Slavin, the old bank job off of Ilya Sorokin's dome from beneath the goal line to tie the game and send it to OT. And then they leave Carolina where they won all of their home games except for one last year and lost every single road game in the playoffs. Now heading to New York, but minus one more key player. What a year it's been for the Carolina Hurricanes in terms of injuries to significant forwards. First, Max Pacioretty goes down. Then Andre Svechnikov done for the season. Now it seems Tavo Teravainen also done for the season. Coach Rod Brindamore saying after the game that he broke his hand. Uh, and will require surgery on Thursday to fix it out indefinitely. Even being down to nothing, are the Islanders a live dog here? No, I do not think so. I think Carolina has enough in that lineup. They play such a good structure. They play such a good team game. They never really get pulled out of sorts. They stay so compact around the net. And let's not forget about the decor of the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, they have an incredible defensive core uh, on that team. Now, their power play is going, Frank, a little bit. That's why they brought in Shane Gossesphere at the deadline. But I think they'll get through this round. I don't foresee them winning a second round without Pacioretty, without Teravainen, and without Svechnikov. And look, I got to talk to Rod Brindamore at the Frozen Four and at the Regionals because I did all of Skylar Brindamore's games through the NCAA tournament. And talking to him... Uh, he's such an intense guy, and and he knows like they are shorthanded. With no other team in the NHL is missing more marquee players than the Carolina Hurricanes. So I think they get through the series, but I do not foresee them traveling through the playoffs minus those three players. Yeah, you know the Islanders will be hungry as they get to home ice. We'll see if the Canes can win one on the road for a change which would be a big confidence boost for that team. Speaking of winning one on the road, a big one for the Florida Panthers, who doubled up the Boston Bruins 6-3 in their game two on Wednesday evening at TD Garden. Love the attitude from Matthew Kachuk. Not sure if you saw the post-game interview, but he was saying, what, what did people think we were going to roll over just because the Boston Bruins were the best team in history in the regular season? I think the Florida Panthers have a bit of a shot here. Uh, you know, I know that the Boston Bruins are playing without Patrice Bergeron, who uh, Jim Montgomery acknowledged is out with an injury and not an illness. But I think back to the first period that they played to open the series, the Bruins were lucky to escape that not in a hole. They actually played two pretty complete road games to start this series against the best team in the league from the regular season. Now they head home. They got the split that they were looking for. They've taken back home ice advantage. Do you think the Panthers have a shot against the Boston Bruins? 
I, I certainly do not think they have a shot. I certainly do not think they will win this series. And let me just hang on something you just said. They're going home for home ice. Is it home ice, though, when they play in Sunrise? How many Bruins fans will be at that game, uh, that Does playoff Does home ice game? even matter in these playoffs? Maybe or maybe not. So far, it hasn't seemed to matter. I think as you get into playoffs, the travel starts to wear on you. But you get to go down to Florida. Your body feels better when you're in the sun. You're going to have just as many fans in the building as you would uh, at a home game. I mean, I know I'm exaggerating a little bit. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't foresee Florida getting back into this series. But the last thing I will say, Patrice Bergeron not playing makes a big difference. I've been in that locker room with Patrice Bergeron, with Zdeno Chara, although I know he's not there, David Krejci, Marshawn. These guys have been there. They're not going to get rattled by not starting the playoffs great. But Bergie is the guy they look to. He's the guy they lean on when things start to unravel. Bergie's the guy who settles the ship. So I do think it makes it more interesting without Patrice Bergeron. But at the end of the day, Frank, I don't think it's something that's going to deter the Bruins from winning this first round. Okay, so we just talked about potential goaltender changes. The Bruins allowed the most goals against in a playoff game since the 2013 Stanley Cup Final. Jeremy Swayman played a huge chunk of this year. It wasn't an even split, but Linus Olmark, the likely Vezina winner, Played fewer than 50 games this year. Would you go with Swayman for game three or Olmark? Uh, I'd stick with Olmark. He had such an incredible season. You know you have Swayman if it gets to that point. But right now at one-to-one -one in the series, you got to go with the goaltender that's going to win the Vesna Trophy this season. Do you go with Swayman at any point or is it all Olmark? No, potentially. I, I could foresee him playing a game in the playoffs. or, or And I don't mean just a mistake. I just mean in general. Would you play him, I, like, I'm with give you. him a start? Yeah. yeah. I think if they get up 2-1, to one, yeah, I think you might go to him for game four because he is that good and he is that capable. Okay, let's move on to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oof, white knuckle game two already for the Leafs on home <laughs> ice, trying to avoid going down 2 nothing in the series to a team that's gone to three consecutive Stanley Cup finals. The Leafs look nervous in game one. We've talked about that to death. It seems like Victor Hedman will play. John Cooper, their coach, saying just minutes ago that Hedman is still a game-time decision, but he was on the ice at Scotiabank Arena this morning for the team's morning skate. Obviously a huge difference maker for that team not just because of himself, but also because Eric Chernak is likely out for a chunk of time after the hit from Michael Bunting that cost him a three-game suspension that was handed down last evening. What do you make of this spot that the Leafs are in already, and what is your confidence level that the Leafs will bounce back for game two? Yeah, this is probably the, the toughest one, Frank. You know, I think on all the other topics, I've pretty unequivocally had a, had a feeling one way or the other. This one's difficult because you saw the way Tampa came out. Tampa's got a healthy Braden Point, who's a 50-goal scorer in the NHL this season. Let's remember last playoffs, Braden Point, not very healthy. And me, he's, he's such an X factor. Now, uh, I do think Toronto will rebound. I do not foresee Tampa running through this series. But the one thing that I will continue to come back to in this playoff series and for the Toronto Maple Leafs is goaltending. Goaltending has to be there to win games in the playoffs. Scoring is up. It's been up all season. We saw 6-7-3 and seven, three the other night. We saw the Bruins and the Panthers, a bunch of goals hitting the overs. So right now, goaltending is important. 
Who are you taking in goal in that series? I'll ask you that question. I'm taking Vasilevsky. I don't think yeah. it's that close. It's not even close. And if Hedman and Chernak are playing, I don't think the defense question is close either. By the way, regardless of whether Hedman or Chernak play tonight, the the Tur Tampa Bay Lightning would still have the best defenseman on the ice in Mikhail Sergachev on either team. So to me, a Philly. significant edge there. Yeah, I think Mikhail Sergachev is a better defenseman than Morgan Riley every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um, okay. But I, I'm just not... I don't know what to make of the Leafs' psyche. Like, I think there were so many things out of whack. They looked nervous and on their heels to start. Then you saw the sort of lack of composure that they had in terms of penalties, and Sheldon Keefe's head was exploding on the bench. Like, I just think there's so many different pressure points that go yeah. into this. The goaltending was another one. I thought it was really strange to me that he didn't immediately back Ilya Samsonov right after the game when he was asked by Matt Larkin. The question was, hey, who are you starting for game two? And he said, too early to tell. I know that he then named Samson off the starter yesterday, but still the fact that you're even thinking about that after yeah. one game with Joe Wall, a guy who has no playoff experience outside of some garbage time in game th game one in the third period, like there's a million things that are in play for the Toronto Maple Leafs that I just yeah. think I could envision a path in which they go back to Tampa now down to nothing after fumbling both games on home ice. Like I, I think that's a very real possibility. But I do think guys like Austin Matthews, guys like Mitch Marner, I think those guys are chomping at the bit. And I think those that younger generation of player, I, I believe that those guys carry this fine line between confidence and arrogance, which I think you need to have. And so I think Austin Matthews, I think Mitch Marner, uh, I think Ryan O'Reilly, who, who is a total battler and a leader, I think they come out and have a big game too. I think Jake McCabe played his first ever playoff game in his entire career. You could see he was a little overzealous, that big hit that he had that you know people thought maybe was it. So I just think the Leafs can settle down a little bit more tonight, and uh, I do think that they're going to get this one tonight. Waiting for someone to step up and be a killer. Thought it might be Ryan O'Reilly, still can be. That's what he was brought here for. I think the closest thing they have to one right now is William Nylander. We'll see. Uh, so much on the line for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It is a appointment television, get your popcorn ready game too for the Leafs as they host the Bolts. Tonight, let's get to this week's edition of the Number Crunch with our guy Cam Sharon. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. That's right. This week's edition of The Number Crunch is brought to you by Boston Pizza and their new Fanalytics menu. Pizza flights, deep-fried pickle wedges, winged ribs, and of course, everyone's favorite, the beer mosa. Check out the new Fanalytics menu. Great place to watch the playoffs at Boston Pizza. So head on over to your local Boston Pizza for tonight's games. That's right. It is Cam Sharon back for this week's edition of The Number Crunch, former Toronto Maple Leafs front office analyst. And Cam, there's been so much talk about the officiating to start the first four days of the Stanley Cup playoffs. You wrote a piece at The Athletic, a great piece with some charts and graphs that I found super valuable about a lot of penalty calls early on in the series, but it tails off later in the series and off a cliff in Game 7. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen as these series go on, but have you seen more calls? What does the data tell you from the first few games of each series? Yeah, this is a thing that's uh, that's always talked about. Well, not always. I think it's in the last couple of years, people have noticed that uh, that there's more penalties called in the playoffs than there are in the regular season. And uh, yeah, you actually see an increase in power play opportunities. We've had just under four per game per team uh, so far in the game ones. I haven't done game two yet, but we've seen about twice as much as we'd expect uh, in the game ones of this season uh, compared to uh, all the other years since since 2016. Uh, that, by the way, that should read 2016 to 2022. That's my bad. I'll fix that in, in uh, further versions. But yeah, uh, you know, w- there's been some focus on the missed calls. And I do disagree with both you guys. I don't think that there is a provision in the in the rule book that allows for uh, for a stick to be lifted into a face. Uh, the rule book says that the player must be uh, in control. Uh, there's, there's two exceptions. Anyway, um, there, we've been focusing on the missed calls, but there have been a lot of penalties called so far. A lot of power play goals. We've seen multiple teams win their games because of power play goals so far. Well, Cam, spoken like a true front office member, pushing back on us saying that uh, it shouldn't have been a call. So let me ask you this then, based on what you wrote, based on what you're talking about, um, are you telling me special teams matters more early in a playoff series than it does later? Or I'm a little confused by that. Yeah, so I thought uh, just by looking at all this that the special teams ma- battle would matter a lot less later on in the series. So I looked it up this morning uh, to, to find out, and I was actually shocked to, to see that the winning team has basically an identical – that's not, not basically. They have an identical uh, net special teams percentage. That's power play goals minus shorthanded goals against uh, – divide by power play opportunities and reverse for the penalty kill percentage. But it's identical, 111.3% in games one through four and 111.3% in games five through seven, as well as game seven. So that's that's for the winning team. The winning team is usually going to be the one that wins the special teams battle. And even though there's less penalties called later on in the series, we do see that the special team still allows a team to get a key goal or two uh, that can really affect the course of a game, and as the and as the series uh, are later, as the games are later on in the series, that extra goal can really swing the series. So uh, teams that have struggled on the special teams so far this playoffs, you don't get a reprieve. You got to be better in that. You got to fix everything. 
Cam, one team that really struggled with special teams, I know it's just one game, but it was the New Jersey Devils. They had a really wobbly 10 minutes against the New York Rangers. Was that their issue in game one? And how do you feel about their overall prospects in this series against the Rangers? Because just like the Leafs and some other teams, they're staring down a pretty tough start if they go down 0-2, then heading to Madison Square Garden. Yeah, the the thing that uh, I, I just rewatched that game this morning, and the thing that really uh, struck me was how well uh, New York New York played on the power play. So they spent fifty six percent of the time uh, that they had at five on four in the offensive zone and set up in an organized formation. Comparatively, the Devils had were just twenty seven percent of the time. Uh, this this graph doesn't uh, doesn't apply to, to what I'm talking about just now. Sorry. Um, but the Devils failed to get set up after two of their three one faceoffs in the offensive zone. Their entries were bad. New York's were really good, and that that made a big difference. That forced uh, New Jersey to really have to try and win the game at five on five, and they played very very well five on five, particularly in the second period. They just took it to the Rangers. The Rangers played that entire period basically on their heels, and now we get into the zone entries. We see that New Jersey really controlled the flow of the play at five on five. They had 43 controlled zone entries to the Rangers 23. They had the two best players in the game and Jack Hughes who had 11 on his own and Nico Hishier who had six. These were the best two players on the ice by far. They were setting up scoring chances. The scoring chances at five on five were 18 to eight for the Devils. So I'd be shocked if the Devils didn't make a good pushback into the series. Um, you know, with the Rangers having to spend so much time on their heels, they had to block a lot of shots. The Devils played at a much higher pace, and the Rangers just couldn't get the puck in the neutral zone. The reason for this is because the Rangers couldn't get the puck out of the defensive zone. If you look at their zone exits, um, particularly their forwards, had to dump the puck out an awful lot. Here it is here. We see that the Rangers forwards had 42 dump outs. So the, that's some very good pinch work done by the Devils defenders. Uh, I thought John Marino, Ryan Graves, and Dougie Hamilton, Jonas Siegenthaler, that top four, did a very good job of really closing the gap uh, along the wing, and it forced uh, the, the Rangers, a lot of them, to just send the puck into the, new, into the neutral zone. I think they were kind of happy to do it, given the score, but that there's a big problem uh, if, if the Rangers don't have the lead. How are they going to respond? I think it's key for the Rangers to get a good early goal make Vitek Vanacek struggle. He didn't look good early in that game either. You know, we talked about the Leafs goalie situation either. Vanacek was also uh, a little shaky. And if they don't get that early goal, if the if the Devils are doing this with the game tied or with the lead, then I don't know how the Rangers are going to be able to create that offense. So this is going to be something uh, good to look at. Uh, if, if the Rangers aren't playing with the lead, how is it going to look? I thought the Devils did a very good job handling it uh, when trailing. Uh, Igor Shesterkin had to play really well. He was forced into making a lot of saves. So we'll see how that series goes. I don't think that the Devils are out of it by any stretch. This is going to be a very competitive series. I still think that the Devils, down one nothing, are the better team, and I'd favor them to win. Yeah, that's interesting because I think we were all expecting in Game 1 to them have the Devils utilize what's been one of their calling cards all season long, their speed off the rush. We did see some of that, as you mentioned, but certainly need to see more of it in game two. Thank you to Cam Sharon for joining us for this week's edition of the number crunch, which was powered by Boston pizza and their new Fanalytics menu. Thanks Cam.
All right, Colby, time for our hashtag ask DFO inbox question of the day. And when you look at the four games on tonight's slate, Colb, and a couple, all four teams potentially facing going down on the road 0-2, which is crazy to think about since all four lost their home games on Tuesday night, which team needs a win the most? So I'm going to go against just about everything Cam just talked about, and I'm going to say the Devils. Um, because, again, I, I don't dive into the analytics. I don't necessarily look at the numbers or, or understand numbers like Cam does. But at the end of the day, a couple of things that I wrote down that really stick out to me. You've got a number of first-year playoff players in Hughes, Brat, Heischer. These are guys who you count on to carry your team, have zero playoff experience. So they go down 0-2 going to Madison Square Garden against Igor Shosturkin, who I give them the total edge in the series and goal. And I think that becomes very, very problematic. And I do not know uh, if those players even know how, what it takes or how to dig deep to win those playoff series. You look at guys who are older than you. You look at guys who you can lean on. And I'm just not sure they necessarily have that in their dressing room. Now, next season, the season after... That's a totally different story, but I think this year, if they go down 0-2 compared to Colorado or Vegas, they are going to be in big trouble. Vegas has guys like that they can lean on, like Petrangelo, who's won a cup. Uh, Mark Stone's a great, gritty leader. Colorado coming off of a Stanley Cup. Plenty of guys in that locker room that can take over a game and just push through a series. So at the end of the day, I think the biggest and must-win tonight comes from the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. I, I also think the Leafs, for all the reasons we just pointed out, desperately need a win. They need to feel good about something. And if they are shaky uh, and, and look scared again, I think there's a real chance for the Tampa Bay Lightning to make this a short series. And you know that that's a team that has no problem putting a skate to the throat of an opponent, uh, which is certainly something that you need at this time of year. The Lightning are going to want to get as much rest as possible, if that is indeed possible. So a uh, couple of really intriguing games tonight. Let's get to Tyler Remchuk in our Batano.ca daily bet segment. Tyler, what do you got? Big night last night. Yeah, sweep for me with two plus money parlays in there. So a good night of betting on Wednesday. Look to roll that into a little bit more money tonight, courtesy of our friends at Batano.ca. The game starts now with Batano. Let's start with that Seattle-Colorado matchup where I like the Avs to bounce back in a big way in this hockey game. How about this? Their last three losses in the regular season, they not only followed them up with wins, they followed them up with puck line covers. And I like them at plus 118 on home ice to cover the puck line in game two against the Seattle Kraken. That plus 118 payout is oh, beautiful, Frank. I absolutely love it. And also a shot prop for this evening, Timo Meyer over three and a half. Now, if you look at his game logs, you're going to go, hey, He's missed this in five of his last six games. Why are you betting on it? But his minutes have kind of been down. He only played 16 minutes in the series opener against the New York Rangers. And now he's getting elevated to that top line with Jack Hughes. He still had three shots in just 16 minutes in the opener as well. I think Meyer up on that top line because his minutes get close to 20. And I think he'll get at least four shots on goal. So almost an even money payout on Timo Meyer over three and a half. Taking that and the Avs on the puck line, Frank. Love to see it, Tyler. Uh, great work as usual, and you're off to a pretty good start in these Stanley Cup playoffs. Your finger right on the pulse. Colby, that brings us to garbage time, and I'll take this one. Uh, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman had an interview with NPR Radio uh, on Wednesday that was posted, and 
After sidestepping the question for a number of years, deflecting on the question, uh, anytime he'd asked, he basically said that it was the inappropriate time to be asked the question at varying events. And this time around, he was again asked about hockey's potential link to CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, uh, which has been diagnosed in numerous retired players who have donated their brains to science. He again denied the link between the two, and his statement was pretty clear. He told the interview that they were going off on a tangent, and he said, we listened to the medical opinions on CTE, and I don't believe there has been any documented study that suggests the elements of our game result in CTE. There have been isolated cases of players who have played the game that have had CTE, but it doesn't mean it necessarily came from playing in the NHL. And... That part may be true, but I think the study and medical advice and science seems to suggest a very strong, if not indisputable link between repeated head trauma and playing hockey and CTE. I understand as an attorney why you would need to continue to deny, but after other leagues, specifically including the NFL, have come out and acknowledged that there is a clear link, I think it's time for the NHL to do so as well. We're way beyond the point, especially after a very definitive study last year. 14 different doctors in 13 different countries, five different countries, excuse me, uh, release a study that proves a definitive link between repeated head trauma and CTE. I know our eyes continue to glaze over when we've reached topics like this, but it's another one that needs to be talked about and needs to be presented. And Colby, I don't know how you feel, um, but especially me having a, a, a son who plays hockey, I, I want to know all the details. There's a reason why flag football has grown in a huge way in the United States. Lots of parents are concerned about concussions and potential impacts. Colby, that'll do it well, for today's. Go ahead. It's an interesting, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to you talk, I'm, I'm thinking about a press conference that I, I saw yesterday that uh, was from Tua Tungava. And I think everybody in, in the sports world has kind of seen what he's gone through with concussions this year, uh, playing in the NFL and deciding that he's going to come back and continue to play. Um, I would urge people to, to go watch that press conference. Look it up on your Twitter account. Um, just search his name. I'm sure it's all over the Internet. It's a guy who's who's kind of firsthand living this. Um, I personally never had a concussion playing hockey. Um, I've seen guys who have, so it, it's just a difficult situation or, or a topic for me to really truly weigh in on with with any type of uh, personal, um, you know, information or, or opinions. Yeah, I just think we know now more than we ever have. It's important to keep the dialogue going. That'll do it for today's edition of Daily Faceoff Live. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll be back 12 noon Eastern on Friday. You know where to find us. Until then, have a great day and enjoy the games, everyone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Oh. 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.